Welcome to the Sales Influence Podcast, where we talk about finding the why in how people buy. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me. Super excited to have you with me as always. Today, we're going to talk about, are you ready for this title, Flipping the Duck? Yes, I came up with that, Flip the Duck. Now, what does Flip the Duck mean? (laughs) I got to be honest, when I came up with that title, I had to chuckle inside also. But there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. Here it comes, and I'm going to tie it into sales. Now, let me say the phrase, sales process. Sales process. Sales process. Sales transaction process sequence. A sales process is a sales sequence. Have you ever thought about the fact that the word sales and process put together is almost like an oxymoron? It's a contradiction in terms. See, a sale is never orderly. If you think about it, you know, it's never done sequentially. I mean, I want you to think about, especially if you're in the B2B space, can we agree that a sale is never a straight line. It's never linear. Step A, step B, step C, step D, duh, close the deal. If it was like that, that would be great. But we all know that when we hear the word process, process means sequence, but it also means repeatable and duplicatable. The fascinating thing is that every sales process, and again, especially in the B2B space, is very chaotic. In other words, it's always changing. The number of decision makers change. You know, their reference points change. In other words, are they using something or have they never used something? What type of company is it? What space are they in? All these variables make the sales process a very chaotic experience. So every sales process, again, is not orderly. It's chaotic. So when somebody says, do you have a sales process? I almost want to say, no, but I have, a, I have sales chaos because that's what we're dealing with. Now, what's interesting about chaos, for those who study chaos, I always ask people, what is the opposite of chaos? What is the opposite of chaos? And the answer is order. Every time you see chaos, there's always order. For example, let's say there's a duck on the lake. Here it comes. There's a duck on the lake. Now, on top, the duck looks calm and cool, right? Just kind of calm and cool. You see it cruising, leaving that ripple, that V ripple in the lake. But underneath the waterline, it's pure chaos. That thing is pedaling like mad, you know, fighting turbulence, whatever it may be. It's chaotic. Now, when I look at the sales process, most people think it's like the duck at the top swimming. It's very linear, very smooth. But really, A sales process is much like what's going on below the water level on the duck. So let's go ahead and flip the duck. And now let's look at the chaotic piece, right? We know that a sales process isn't a a linear process. It's not sequential. So, but from this chaos, from the fact that every person buys differently, the fact that decision makers have different ways of making a buying decision, Because it's never a straight line and it's more chaotic, the question then becomes, can we apply order to this chaos? And here's what I mean by this. If you look at a sales process, again, 
We all know the sales process, right? You get them in the pipeline, then you set up the meeting. You set up the meeting, you get the decision makers in the room. Great, got the decision makers in the room. Next step is to do a presentation. Great, we do a presentation, and maybe following that or during that presentation, we'll do a demo. Then we may move to a field trial, and then after the field trial, we may move into a write-up of the actual results of that field trial, and then we'll get into pricing, then we'll get into negotiation, and then we'll close the sale. That's a sequential sale, right? But we all know it never happens that way because there's a lot of back and forth going on. And again, players can change, decision makers can jump in and out of the sales process at any given time. So it's very chaotic. So how is a salesperson supposed to deal with selling in a chaotic environment? Well, I believe you can apply some order to this. See, I truly believe that you need three cues, three cues to be effective at selling. Let me go through them and let's see if you agree with me. Because I think this, if there is a sales process, it really surrounds itself around these three cues. Think of the three cues in a circular pattern, right? You can jump from one to the other, it's never linear. The first one is that you as a salesperson have to have you know, that emotional quotient. We've all heard that, right? That EQ. In other words, you have to be able to sympathize with your buyer. Now, if you're in the B2B space, guess what? On average, you will have six to eight different buyers, which means that you have to be very sympathetic to these six to eight different buyers. So you need to have a high EQ. Call it emotional quotient. I like to call it empathy quotient. In other words, I can empathize with somebody in purchasing. I can empathize with somebody in sales, marketing, manufacturing, operations, the CEO, the C-level suite, whatever it may be. We have to become very empathetic. And throughout the process, we're always trying to understand what drives them to make a decision and what holds them back. That's high EQ. And that stands in my book for empathy quotient. Number two, you have to be able to educate your customer in such a way that you have to have a high IQ. Now, again, it blows me away, blows my mind when I come across people, salespeople who don't know their products. And if you've listened to past sales podcasts, you've heard me explain some of these examples of encounters I've had with people who don't have a high IQ. Now, IQ means, again, IQ, intellectual quotient, but with regard to the products. Maybe we'll call that a product quotient, whatever it may be. But you have to be able to have a high IQ or product quotient. You got to know your products. Now, if I can empathize with my customers, which I've talked about in the past, and I can produce, in other words, show them the product, demonstrate, explain, articulate the value, quantify the value, then if I can empathize, articulate the value because of high IQ, then the last part is you have to have a high persuasion quotient. A high persuasion quotient. And I think a lot of folks fall apart right here. They know how to empathize. To be honest, I personally think that's the easiest piece. If, you just have, if you're just patient enough, you can empathize with your customers. I think it's tougher to learn the product, especially as you move up the complexity ladder. In other words, products get more complex, solutions get more varied. It becomes harder to really understand different solutions or put your arms around that. So I think it's tougher, but yet that's where the gold is. The gold is understanding products and how they apply to your customer's products. 
problem, how your solution applies to their problem. Now, even if you demonstrate empathy, even if you show them a high IQ or product quotient, that doesn't mean that they're going to buy. They're going to say something like, I'll think about it. Let me get back to you. Let me talk to my committee. Maybe next quarter. Now's not a good time. So forth and so on. So having a high persuasion quotient, which is how do you frame an offer? How do you get upfront agreements? How do you sequence your presentation and your pricing in such a way that you're more likely to get a commitment than not? And these three things tied together, I think create what I call a real sales quote unquote process. Because again, you're gonna be jumping between um, empathy, education, and persuasion. You're gonna be jumping back and forth depending on who you're talking to. And again, in a complex sale, when you're talking to six to eight people, you may be empathizing with one person one day, but then you gotta go into the product IQ the next day and educate. But maybe you convince them about the product, you understand them, you empathize, but now you gotta persuade them to push the ball forward. So being able to, again, have a high empathy quotient, have a high product quotient, but more importantly, having a high persuasion quotient, being able to persuade, frame a conversation, and keep it moving forward and gain commitment. These are the three things that you need to have if you wanna be effective at selling. So, is it important to have a sales process? Fine, yes, go ahead. Studies have shown that you will be more effective in selling if you have a sales process. But keep in mind that the real sales process lies in your ability to bob and weave to adapt to whether you should be more empathetic at the moment or maybe it should be a product quotient thing where you need to educate or maybe you need to persuade to move the ball forward. Being able to multitask, jump between these three quotients will allow you to be a more effective effective salesperson. And that is it for this Sales Influence Podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. Let me know what you think. Don't forget to leave me some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. You know the deal. Let me know what you think. I always appreciate your feedback. Also, Check out my online sales training platform, the Sales Velocity Academy. 40 courses, 400 plus videos, and growing all my books. So if you're serious about increasing your sales velocity, go to salesvelocityacademy.com. That's salesvelocityacademy.com. Lastly, I want to thank you for listening. This is Victor Antonio, always reminding you, selling ain't hard when you know how. Take care. Hi, I'm Victor Antonio. I'm an author, sales trainer, and keynote speaker. I'm often asked, what makes a great speaker? Is it someone who delivers real content that the audience can use? Is it someone who engages the audience so they're part of the learning experience? Or is it someone who can motivate an audience to push them beyond their comfort zone and discover new abilities? The answer is yes. But the most important thing to remember is that I'm not there to look good. I'm there to make my client look good. Simply put, it's never about me and it's always about them.